Hello and welcome to No Confidence. I'm your host, David Merlin. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider it something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis, believe it. It's March 22nd, 2023, a Wednesday, a Wednesday afternoon, Pacific time, call for No Confidence. And, uh, <laughs> amen. No confidence. Now, uh, the marquee today, uh, the Trump indictment and the, oh, what the heck else? The Trump indictment, there were three things. Uh, two of them were mentioned. I'm so nervous uh, with this many people on the call that I've forgotten the uh, buzz phrase. Live stream, Trump indictment, entrapment by estoppel, and the, um, now i got to think of the third thing. <clears throat> the Trump indictment, there, there's news today that uh, somebody has been hiding exculpatory information, so that's a disqualifier right there. It makes it a conspiracy against rights, a felony. That's the bell I'm trying to ring with this prosecutor in New York. Now, uh, to have probable cause to go to a grand jury, there has to be reasonable suspicion in the mind of the prosecutor that Trump had criminal intent, mens rea, that he intended to break the law. That's a tough one. Uh, that's why they ignore it. It's a real tough one. And uh, there's a... <clears throat> There's a case. Let me go get that for you. Okay. To the desktop and to the Microsoft Word folder and annotations. Right there. Give me a second. I'm, I'm clicking and dragging. There we go. In this document called memorandums.doc, or annotations.doc, I mean, on a particular page, which I'll have for you in just a second, it's a drug case on the Ninth Circuit where a conviction was overturned. The court said where there is an innocent explanation for the conduct as well as one that indicates wrongdoing, the government bears the burden of proving that it was the wrongdoing option and not the innocent explanation. An innocent explanation in Trump's case, if it were to be commenced, is that the transaction was conducted to save his family embarrassment so his wife wouldn't find out and the world wouldn't find out because you know what kind of problems uh, political families go through over every little thing. That's an innocent explanation for the charge that they're contemplating and there has to be a reasonable suspicion that he did not do it for that reason he did it because there was a, uh, an election was looming that's why he did it see what has to go into that before the prosecutor brings uh, a controversy to the grand jury he has to have reasonable suspicion that Trump had uh, criminal intent those are the rules now on annotations I open that document. It's a Microsoft Word document, some 200 pages long. It's packed with uh, annotations, 263 pages. Control F. What do you want to find? I want to find uh, Estrada. I'm looking for the Estrada case. Uh, 
and I find it on page 87 at the near the bottom of the page one paragraph up from the bottom on page 87 uh, even though this is a uh, um, a methamphetamine operation in a house and Estrada lived in a trailer that was parked beside the house and the only thing in Estrada's trailer that they found that might link him to the conspiracy to manufacture and distribute meth was a list of people with a list of dollar amounts like here's how much this customer owes us this is the how much this customer owes and they brought charges and he argued that that's just a list it doesn't indicate that I participated in the conspiracy and here the US versus Estrada quote uh, in the middle of bottom half of page two of page 87 no rational trier of fact could have found that this standard was met for Estrada the record was barren of evidence that he participated in the conspiracy so the prosecutor has to be able to make it a part of the record that the jury can count on and rely upon for a finding that, yeah, Trump did this for the misconduct or the wrongdoing reasons. The next paragraph. Even though, Estrash, uh, even though Estrada initially denied living in the trailer, his denial was as consistent with non-participating knowledge of the crime as it was with complicity in the crime. When there is an innocent explanation for a defendant's conduct, as well as one that suggests that the defendant was engaged in wrongdoing, the government must produce evidence, not inferences, not pounding the table, that would allow a rational jury to conclude beyond a reasonable doubt that the latter explanation is the correct one. In Estrada's case, the government produced no such evidence. Now this says, the government must produce evidence that would allow a rational jury well, sorry, this is in New York, so uh, this won't per this won't pertain. <laughs> you wanted a rational jury, anyway. Uh, setting that dynamic of New York aside, you see that before the prosecutor goes to the grand jury, he has to have a reasonable suspicion, and he knows he's going to face a great argument of innocent conduct that he has to overcome before he goes to a grand jury. Because table pounding to the jury might be enough for the judge to overrule any objections. Hey, he's just pounding the table, Your Honor. You got any facts? Overruled. But the jury still has its own impression when it goes back to deliberate. Um, so the prosecutor has to have a reasonable suspicion that Donald Trump intended to violate a law, a legal duty he knew he had to not act in that way but they think they have to think uh, that they have evidence that can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Donald Trump did not pay this money uh, to the former porn star if there is such a thing uh, he didn't have or he intended it to help his campaign he did not intend it to spare his family embarrassment those are two different reasons and the prosecutor faces that burden. If the prosecutor knows they face that burden, they better not go to a grand jury 
before they can meet that burden or it's an indictment without probable cause, isn't it? He has to have probable cause. What evidence are you going to produce that proves, no, he didn't do it for his family. He didn't, he didn't do it to save his family embarrassment. He did it to help his campaign. See how many holes I can blow in this guy regarding whether or not such a prosecution of Trump over these facts would constitute a conspiracy against his rights, a felony violation of 18 U.S.C. 241. See how powerful the law is? That prosecutor could accidentally commit that felony every day as soon as they're slack enough to ignore criminal intent as an essential element of every crime. Gotcha. Now, the uh, entrapment by estoppel is a doctrine with which I recently became acquainted, but for years I've been acting to try to uh, get people to fit that very, do uh, that very doctrine. Uh, it's amazing. It's a brand new toy in uh, my toy box. I'm looking for a particular document here. There's a... <laughs> there is a particular... Let's see, here we go. I'm looking for Talmadge in this document. Yeah, here we go. This is U.S. versus Talmadge, 1987, Ninth Circuit case. Stand by in the chat, paste and send. And I'm going to give you another quote from it, another excerpt, which I'll probably have to do in two pieces. So there's going to be three excerpts from Talmadge for you to read. And tell me if this doesn't sound like exactly what I've been trying to do for people uh, since 1994. To get them equipped with arguments that the government can't refute. So that uh, when you go up against the government, the government's stuck to prove that you're guilty of something. I'm recording this at home, so tune in later here to the episodes category on my talk show channel, and you'll hear the whole show for those people that are uh, just arriving. And you see in Talmadge right there, Ninth Circuit, they overturned a conviction. Talmadge had a state felony, and because of a certain ruling in the court systems there in his state, they said, oh, this has to be a misdemeanor. They found an imperfection somewhere. And so I think him and a bunch of other people got their felonies reduced to a misdemeanor. He said, oh, I can own a firearm now, can't I? And his sentencing judge says, don't buy a concealable firearm. And he went to an FFL, a federal firearms licensee, and said, uh, hey, it just got reduced to a misdemeanor. I can buy a rifle, right? And the FFL says, yeah, if as long as it's not a felony. Oh, cool. And he bought a rifle. And he asked his private attorney, I can buy a rifle, right? And so he bought a long gun. The attorney said, yeah. So one attorney in private practice, one federal firearms licensee, and one sentencing judge with a verbal comment during a hearing in state court was enough to say this guy had a right to rely on those people. And so his conviction violates due process. Well, uh, James, uh, Richard Boggs in South Carolina 
Richard Boggs in South Carolina filed nine federal lawsuits. Five of them were his own. He didn't even tell me about. He took three of those all the way to the Supreme Court and got nowhere on the provisions that I argue in my tax treatise. In 2013, he joined my 2006 criminal complaint to 80 members of Congress. He joined it as a similarly situated witness to crime. And he had a bunch of uh, other correspondence to and from the IRS where all he met was a brick wall. Can't have access to the law. No explanation of the laws. And then they finally went to a grand jury last February, a year ago, and said he's willful. He believes he has a duty after all this stonewalling. So it's a lie to the grand jury. And then I come across this particular doctrine, which is uh, just amazing. It's what I do. This is what I try to establish without having known of the existence of the doctrine as a defense. Uh, the last paragraph uh, in the chat there for Talmadge, U.S. versus Talmadge, 829 Federal 2nd 767 at page 774. That's 829 Federal 2nd 767. Ninth Circuit, 1987, page 774. In the matter before us, the uncontradicted evidence established that Talmadge received and possessed firearms in reliance upon the representation of a federally licensed gun dealer, that a person convicted of a felony in a state court could purchase firearms if the offense had subsequently been reduced to a misdemeanor. We have no doubt that under the doctrine of entrapment by estoppel, a person could not be prosecuted under this law, and if an ATF official had represented that a person convicted of a felony can purchase firearms after the charge has been reduced to a misdemeanor. Here, the misleading... Notice that they just equated the firearm, the licensed firearms dealer to an ATF official. Here, the misleading statement regarding the lawfulness of Talmadge's proposed conduct was made by a licensee of the federal government. We noted that in Pruner, a prior case, that Congress has placed a duty on firearms dealers to question their customers regarding a possible criminal record. Well, doesn't the tax code impose a duty on anybody uh, that's going to figure your taxes, that they make inquiries, determinations, and assessments? They don't make inquiries. You've all heard those advertisements. Oh, I was in a lot of trouble with the IRS. They wanted $510,000. I contacted Expedia Tax Relief, and the IRS ended up owing me $150. We've all heard those ads. They said I owed this much, and I contacted these experts, and they got it whittled down to only this much. I'm so relieved, and I would recommend these services to a friend of mine. And they don't stop to ask, excuse me, how wrong was the IRS? Oh, they're only a couple hundred thousand dollars off. I wasn't in any trouble at all, but they breathed their fire on you. And yet here, it sounds like there's a lot higher uh, requirement placed upon the shoulders of a, of a licensee of the federal government to sell arms about the law than there is upon an IRS agent. Anyway, next sentence. A licensed dealer may not sell a firearm to any person if he knows or has reasonable cause to believe that such person is under indictment for 
or has been convicted in any court of a crime punishable by imprisonment for a a term exceeding one year. That's the felons can't have a gun statute. And they won't reduce a sentence down too low. They'll say a year and a day. That way, it's a sentence that is longer than one year, and it triggers this prohibition against owning a firearm, possessing a firearm. So if it's that easy, uh, how many did Richard Boggs rely upon one verbal comment from a state judge? No, he's relied upon probably four or five hundred federal appellate judges that wrote those decisions that he cited. He's relied upon innumerable Supreme Court justices in those Supreme Court cases he cited. Did he rely upon one attorney in private practice? No. He relied upon statutes and regulations from Congress and from the Secretary of the Treasury that they've had 30 years to amend to clarify them since I started hitting him with this Section 83 argument. And did he rely upon one attorney in private practice? Uh, No. He's relied upon uh, the Commissioner of IRS and the Secretary of the Treasury in IRS publications and upon their ongoing failure to to make him whole in his right to uh, clear explanation of the laws. So he wouldn't be in this position if the government hadn't violated Tax Code Section 7803 that says they have to keep you informed, they have to provide a fair tax system, and the courts have been in violation of 5 U.S.C. 706 because they'll never decide the statutory or constitutional issues, ever. You can cite the Administrative Procedures Act all you want, 5 U.S.C. 706, and they won't do it for the provisions that I cite. Neat. So he's relied upon the Secretary of the Treasury and the Commissioner for Regulations and Publications. He's relied upon countless appellate judges and Supreme Court justices. And uh, he's covered all his bases. And the, the plaintiff can't, re- can't deny a thing. In a criminal tax trial, you have to go all the way to prison before you find out, hey, none of those cases mean anything. The law and the statutes and regulations are last. We want you in prison. So don't cite that trivial crap to us, citizen breath. And it's not until you're headed for prison that you find out that all those cases were lying when they said you can rely on precedent. Look at what the courts have said. You can count on that. They're wrong. Not when you beat the government with the law. The tax man owns every judge. Oh, man. And last, because I'm leaving in seven or eight minutes, you have the uh, the uh, other angle. What the heck was that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Democrats are gone. I was a high-volume bartender in the second, oh, actually clear through the 80s, and talked to hundreds and hundreds of people. And I couldn't tell the difference between a Democrat and a Republican. The Democrat Party... <clears throat> harbors a collective of individuals that call themselves progressives. What that means is that they're here to destroy America. It's not progress. They regress. Everything is the opposite of what they say. Reality is the opposite of what 
they say we should do. They have no climate science. They're the worst parents in the world. And then they instruct us that we shall allow kindergarten teachers to teach little girls and boys to put Vaseline on carrots. And if we don't like it, we're racist, homophobe, and all it just spews right out of their head. That's not a Democrat, okay? That's a politically retarded individual that's educated way beyond, way beyond their intellect. And they're stacked with a bunch of lies called Marxism that the schools taught them over the last 30 or 40 years. 1980, rap is music. Terrible idea. I've never bought into it for one second. I've always reviled every single beat of it. Uh, it's hard to shake hands with somebody that thinks rap is music. Uh, you filled part of your head with shit. <laughs> Way to go. What a star. And you treat your own head like an open sewer. Expect me to do the same. Open your mouth. They're, they're not going to get anywhere with me. Everybody telling me I should compromise. Uh, excuse me, what have you done to better your life? What real hard, hard task have you ever undertaken? The IRS made me mad in April of 88. Five and a half years later, I emerged with a treatise on how they violate the tax code. The hardest question in law on the planet. It's what I did first with no prior training. 6-9 in the high jump, 88% of the world record in 1977. Uh, 48 feet in the triple jump, 84% of the world record in the triple jump. As a 19-year-old, fastest bartender on the planet. <laughs> what have you done? What have you pushed yourself on? What are you really good at? And they have to just shut their mouth and scratch their flaming green hair covered head. Yeah, don't talk to me. I'm moving way faster than you are. I'm 65 damn years old. So Democrats, people uh, my age, let's say 50 or 55 and older, who might call themselves Democrats, they don't know what a Democrat is anymore. The party's been infiltrated and populated by real losers. And so a mainstream Democrat from 1985 or 90, they belong in the middle of the political scale. They're not left. The left, it's populated enough to where Democrats should start voting Republican because the, Republic, the Democrat has been shoved all the way to the center, a genuine Democrat. And the remainder on the left is sociopolitically retarded, patriotically retarded. You heard it here first. They think the whole country should be their ass. And uh, I don't follow along with it. <laughs> Not for one second. And everybody telling me I should compromise. Uh, what have you done? What are you doing? What do you try to do? What are you really good at? And if somebody said, uh, I'm a housewife. I homeschool two children. And they both went off to college. It's like, yeah, that's a mountain. It's not that you have to accomplish mechanical things and, and push society around with great ideas. Uh, contributing can take a lot of different forms. But if you've got uh, flaming red dyed pit hair and uh, you show up for a kindergarten school that you teach in a tank top, yeah, I got issues with you. Stay away from my children. A uh, Democrat truly is in the middle of the 
political spectrum and everything beside that. Democrat is now the middle of the road. Don't vote Democrat because in politics, you don't get middle of the road Democrat. None of them are. Uh, it's all been taken over by uh, people that do to kids in school what they do to kids in school. Uh, just that one. If you aren't if you aren't fighting against all of that, you're for it. If you can't fight for the children, what are you asking me to compromise for? Your grammar's terrible. Shut up to me. I'm going to say what I want to say, and that's a rule till I die. So just save it for somebody else. Hi, my protein. Hey, uh, your pronouns. Your pronouns are what? Don't talk to me. Back to reality. Click your heels, Dorothy. Come on back home to Kansas. Uh, those are the three topics I wanted to touch on today, and I really do have to scoot. That was the uh, Donald Trump indictment. More details needed, but it looks really bad uh, for the person bringing the indictment. And entrapment by estoppel, a very important uh, doctrine to acquaint yourself with, where uh, if you got the law on your side, I relied on the law. You can't criminally charge me. And then the other, don't compromise, folks. Keep your standards really high and let your children see you doing it. None of this is legal advice. This has been no con no confidence. My name is David Merlin. If I went any further, really, I think I'd, I'd dispense some profanity. So let's call it a day, and I'll be back on Saturday right here at noon Pacific. I just can't wait. But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did have sexual relations with a horse. I say good show.